Good morning, everyone. I was back there praying, preparing myself to do the message this morning, and these, like, rough dudes came in and, like, busted up the place. So I don't know what that was all about. Well, you've gathered that we're, we're, we're looking at uh, the church as a family. That we're in this series, Church, Why Bother? Looking at, why, you know, we asked ourselves that question, why, why even bother with this thing called church? And uh, so we're looking at these metaphors for the church in the, in the Bible and exploring what it really means to be a part of it. Today, we're going to talk about the family. We all grow up in some fa- kind of family, don't we? Even if it's not traditional, mom and dad or whatever. I, I've even, uh, even heard uh, Drew Barrymore, the actress, sharing uh, on a news program that she, she didn't really have much of a family growing up. She actually considers the cast and crew of whatever movie she's working on her family. So we're in something of a family in one way or another. And when we mention the word family, it can bring up all kinds of feelings and images and thoughts. And for some people, it might even bring a reaction that's somewhat repulsive, you know, just like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with family or my family or anything. But I think most of us long, we really do long to be in a family that's better, better than the one we were born into, better than the one we're currently a part of. Even when we're dissatisfied with our church family, it speaks to our longing for something that's better, being a part of a family that transcends the way things actually are. And one of our jobs when we get up here to talk on Sunday mornings is to is to awaken dreams and to start to paint a picture of what it is like under God's rule and authority in our lives and in the church, to to paint a picture of what things are actually supposed to be like. And so that's what I hope that we can do this morning. Let's pray before we uh, dive right into this. God, we just want to pause, Lord, and center our minds and our hearts on you, all kinds of thoughts and emotions and stuff going on in our lives. And we want to really hear from you today. We long to encounter you. It's nice to come and be with our friends and people we know and meet new people and get some good coffee and hear some good music and sing to you. But at the end of the day, Lord, if you don't speak, if you don't come and visit us, we're just going to be left wanting more. So we want to be filled with you today. Let your word penetrate our hearts, God. Everyone that hears this, within the sound of my voice, I pray your word would sink deep into our hearts. We pray and ask it in the great name of Jesus. Amen. So two main components of family, not every family has both of these, but two main components of them are parents and children or parents and siblings, right? I mean, we're all part of it. So today we're going to look at the parent of this family, and then we're also going to look at what it means to be siblings in this family. You know, having a name like Zinc, growing up I thought it was really cool because it's sort of a last last name. Zinc is kind of a unique name. There aren't that many Zincs around. At least I thought when I was a kid I was like the only one. But there really are a lot more Zincs than I knew of. You know, end of the alphabet, so I always knew where I stood in line alphabetically. It was always kind of nice. And I remember one time, Father Hart, I went to Catholic school, and Father Hart, this 
crotchety old guy who was just mean. And uh, he'd come walking down the hallway to give out report cards. And, you know, the, when he was walking, he's got the black clothes on, and you hear dun 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 the Darth Vader theme would start playing whenever he walked around. Anyway, so he came in to do his obligatory, you know, passing out of the uh, report cards. And I always knew I was last. When they passed them out, I had to wait for everybody else to see their grades, and then I finally got mine. Well, this time he came in and he started to shuffle them up. And I was like, hey, Father Hart, all right, not so bad. Well, he shuffled them all up and he passed them out, and I was still dead last. So I always knew where I stood. My grandpa Zink, he was a, he was a, one of five brothers uh, and a, one sister, and uh, he had a lot of pride in his name as a Zink, and he passed that on to my dad and my three brothers, or my two brothers, us three boys. And uh, you know we have sort of this connection to, don't we? Our last name, we we have an association with something that's gone before us that's bigger than us and here's a cool thing you ever met someone who was adopted at birth you know until a certain point in their lives they have no idea that they're adopted because they have the same name i mean i know of of little ethiopian kids dark-skinned africans who are adopted by totally white americans who think until a certain age when they kind of get wise that I'm just, this is, I'm natural. This is my mom and dad. That's just how it is. Because you have the same name. You have no idea. There is a profound connection with the person who gives you your name. As believers in Jesus, we get our name from our Heavenly Father. Look what it says in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We really struggle with spiritual realities, don't we? I mean, there's so much going against us thinking on a spiritual realm. We view our lives sort of in a lower way than God wants us to. And I think it's true in this realm as well. The reality is that our surname given to us from the Heavenly Father is just as as real, is just as uh, a part of who we are as our ethnicity or our physical DNA. Our spiritual DNA given to us by God is just as real as our physical DNA. Our identity as believers in Jesus is more rooted in our Creator and our Redeemer than anything else. Romans 8. Look at this. Sorry. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And that word is adoption. Some translations say it that way, the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's the Aramaic term for like daddy or dad. And it's adults use it, kids used it. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. 
heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now another critical step in seeing the church as a family is grasping the reality that you were born, or you were an orphan. You're an orphan. I'm an orphan. And we are brought into a family. We were out of it, and now we are in it. Do you see yourself as an orphan? Again, you know, we lose sight of spiritual realities because we have become so adept at disguising our weaknesses, at working so hard at coming off like we got it put together, and we work very hard at achieving status. Ross talked about it last week in his message as it pertains to being a part of a body. We're we're always kind of looking for promotion. It's kind of the way of things in the world. More influence, more money, more of this, just status. Higher up. So we we look for advancement, promotion, recognition, recognition. And I wonder, and I ask myself this question all the time, how much of the stuff that I acquire, what I buy, is, is actually a necessity, and how much of it is for status? We've got to ask ourselves that question. I don't want to look bad, so I need that. And most of the time, I don't think it's even a conscious decision. But when I drive my 2000 Mercury Sable with a big crinkle dent in the rear passenger side and the white paint that splattered up because I drove over somebody's spilled garbage, when I drive that into the Starbucks parking lot over here in New Albany, it doesn't take long for me to start to feel like, man, maybe I should get a nicer car. (laughs) A lot of laughter there. I wonder if that's nervous laughter. Are you the nice car person or the junker? I don't know. But you start to feel that pressure. We have it. It's all around us. It's bombarding us all the time. Meeting up. Keeping up with the Joneses. And that's not necessarily a church-related illustration, but the, thing, the same thing does happen in the context of our church family. Uh, I will or will not associate with that person because of their whatever, their status, the way they look, the car that they drive, the way they do their hair, whether their children obey them or not, or... Whatever it is, we all have our scale, don't we? That we sort of live by, assess things by. It's like, well, here I am on the scale of how things are. And there's that person. They're a little above me. And there's that person. They're not quite where I'm at. And it can be with stuff. It can be with maturity. It can be with whatever. But we all have our evaluation scales that we put people on. And I I pray, and I'm certainly not exempt of this, I do it all the time. I mean, we're just constantly evaluating. Forgive us, Lord. The reality is that we are all orphans. We're all little orphans and we're not the cute little blonde-haired, blue-eyed one. The one that every parent would like, that one. We're the orphans. See, God, I picture God, He's He's this amazing dad and he walks into this cesspool of humanity i picture it like a an orphanage in calcutta india they're malnourished and they're diseased and and he's walking through the orphanage and there's there's beds or or whatever and he walks up and he he looks and and here's this one here and it's it's the one with the snotty noses and and the 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 skin diseases or the arm or the leg cut off the crippled ones the malnourished funny looking ones 
And God looks at that one and he says, that's the one I want. That one. And that's me. And that's you. We've got to see ourselves as orphans, lost, destitute, apart from God. And in, in a wonderful, beautiful, merciful Father comes in. We are all that one. And you know what happens when you start to see yourself as a little miserable, crippled orphan? We start to see each other as connected. We're the same. We have the same story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that why that song has resonated with people for generations? That's our story. And we start to look at each other as the same. We're all in the same playing field here. Period. And continuing on with that train of thought, we see ourselves as brothers and sisters. Not in a casual sense like, hey bro, or hey sister, so sister. You know, it's not like a trite little thing. Like we're actual relatives. And man, sometimes when I think about being related to you people, it's just like, oh no. But you think the same thing about me. We have the same spiritual DNA. Blood relatives. The blood that was spilled of Jesus Christ for our redemption, that paid for our winning back, our our purchase back to God. That's the blood that makes us brothers and sisters. And to go further, a step further, we're the same, we're related to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2, it says, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. But the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing praises. Do you think of Jesus like your brother? As your brother? He's your brother. He's my brother. Wait, so you're saying that then God views me the same way that he views his own son? And I want to say an emphatic yes on so many levels. On so many levels. Pure and holy, justified through his blood, only through his blood. Not on our own merit. We're destitute, lost orphans without him. But we are his brother. And when you're adopted into a family, and I have friends who are in the middle of adoptions and friends who just got through an adoption, finalizing adoptions. And this week has been like crazy how many of them have been in my face. Gee, I wonder if God's up to something. But adoption, when you come into that family, you have the same rights as a natural born child. The same legal rights, the same benefits, the same inheritance. And this is true of us as followers of Jesus. Romans 28 gets so much of the airtime, but check out Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. He is the first one of many of us who come to Him and become part of His family. Are we equal to Jesus? Of course not. 
I mean, He is the Son of God. He is exalted. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in a seat of highest honor and authority. But He was the firstborn, speaking to what will be for us. And we are co-heirs with Him. And again, in my little mind and in my crusty world-ridden heart sometimes, if I just stop and I ponder this for a second, again, it starts to bust down the constructs of worldly powers and status and all that stuff. And we're all then kind of on the same level. We're all getting the same inheritance, eternal life with the Father forever in union and unhindered, perfect union with the Father. That's my inheritance. That's your inheritance. We're part of the same family. All of us. And it applies to the people who are sitting right next to you. And it applies to the believers across the world. I went to Kenya, Africa uh, a little over a year ago. It's been about a year and a half almost now. And and, uh, with a mission team. And we were in this uh, hospital uh, that's about an hour from Nairobi. It's the capital city. It's kind of a rural area. And we're working with the hospital uh, program to get uh, an AIDS relief program out into the surrounding villages and communities. And so one of the primary strategies that they have is to bring pastors who are really like the spiritual leaders and community leaders of these villages into the hospital. They bring them in. They gather them up. They encourage them. They give them some biblical training. They help to provide for some of their needs. And, uh, and then they teach them and instruct them about how to deal with the stigma that is associated with having contracting HIV in that, in that area. If you get AIDS or HIV, if you have HIV in, in, in that area, I mean, there's so much superstition around it. You're shunned from the community. God is judging you. Doesn't matter if you were born with it. It's really, really devastating to communities and to individuals' lives. And so these pastors come in, they train them, they teach them. And I was there helping to engage these pastors with each other and sharing their lives and, and learning about uh, how, to, how, how to pray the Psalms is what we were going over. And uh, had this most amazing experience. It's these guys, I mean, the shoes on my feet probably cost more than their entire wardrobe. Most of them are farmers, basically trying to survive, trying to take care of three or four villages. Their main job is to do funerals. And they have nasty teeth. Oh, man, I'm sorry, you guys. The microphone's not cooperating. They have teeth that are all brown and bad breath and B.O., as far as status and culture and those things go, we are living in a completely different universe. I mean, there was no like, I mean, there was no even hint of comparison. I mean, it's just something totally different. And here are these men and women and they're singing songs and there's a little piece of junk out of tune piano with broken strings on it over in the corner and some guy sits down and tries to plunk out the music while everyone sings and they sing and they lift up their eyes and their hearts with, with hands upraised and they sing with the kind of music and the kind of vibrancy that I had never heard before. I mean, we have an idea about what worship is here. 
with like guitars and slick and cool. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. And they're just pouring out their hearts to God. Anawesa in harmony. Anawesa buana. He is able. He is able, my Lord. Just simple songs. Raising up their hearts to God. And then the leader of the, the, the group of pastors gets up. I think it was the guy, his name was Solomon. I wish I had a picture of him. I should have got a picture of him for you. Solomon, and he, he, took, the, he took the bread and the cup. And we had communion together. And wow, I was so, I, I was so amazed Here I am on the other side of the world with these guys and these men and women who have no idea what my life is like and we're eating and drinking from the same table, the Lord's table. We have the same dad. We're the same orphans. And we ate and sang together and it was something I I can't even explain how amazing it was to feel connected to those people as my family and so what do we do with this what does this have to do with belonging to a church how does this answer the question why bother with church and first of all first of all i want to reiterate that if you consider coming here and sitting here on sunday morning as church being attending a service you're missing the whole picture of what god intends church to be Church is not an event in time. Church is a group of people, a community of believers. It's so hard for us to get that out of our minds. It's so hard. But it really is. You know, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. See all the people. That's not it at all. Here's the church. The church is the people. And the steeple is for to tell everybody this is where the church is so you can come here and meet God and be with His people. So we've got to get that out of our mind. You're a part of it. You're interconnected to the others in it. You might as well face it. I'm your brother. Look around. These people are your family. And it's hard for us in America, to wrap our minds around this because we're consumers. We are consumers. It's, it's so difficult for us to not think of church as something to be consumed. But it's so easy to go find something that we like if we don't like it. With family, it ain't that way. You're born in it, man, and you are stuck with them. Well, guess what? While you and I are here, we're stuck with each other. God moves you on. God moves people around. That's totally cool. But while you're here, you plant your flag here, this is it. We're stuck. And it's a good thing. If you're a believer, you're a part of God's church, the Big C Church. But you can't do life in a vacuum. You can't be a part of some like ethereal idea of like this thing that's like the Big C Church. The in the New Testament, when the, the writers refer to the church, it is almost always a reference to a local church, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Galatia, to the church in Colossae, to the church that meets in the home of so-and-so and so-and-so. It's all about this little thing called a local church. And that's where growth happens. 
And that's where you experience the care and the love and the acceptance that God wants to give you in a family. Yes, we're messed up. We're not the perfect church. If you haven't figured that out yet, you will soon. If you want to find, if you go and find the perfect church, please don't join it because you'll ruin it. You get the point. So you bother being a part of it because you know it. You and I know it. We feel it deep down inside of us that there's, it's gotta be better. There's more. We want something that's better than what we've experienced. And what we experience in authentic Christian community speaks to what God has in store for us forever. And when it doesn't speak to that, because we're humans and we're frail and we fall and we mess up and we hurt each other, it speaks to the redemption and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ and the mercy of a father who walked into that orphanage and said, I want that one. They got issues. They got problems. Some of that stuff I'm going to make go away. Some of it, never going to go away. That's just the reality of living on planet Earth. But that's what being a church is. That's what God intends this family to be. The kind of family where love and acceptance and forgiveness and responsibility is the norm. It's so much the norm that anything otherwise would stick out like a sore thumb. God wants us to be the kind of family that always has room at the table. You know that family, right? As soon as you walk in the door, you feel like, hey, I'm like, they want me to just be right in here, you know, just help yourself. Everyone knows that kind of family. And then, you know, the longer you stay at someone's house, the the more you see they got issues. (laughs) Come over to my house and you might not want to come and listen to me talk. But what God wants us to see, to recognize, is that that person who walks through that door, whether it's your life, your house, or this place, when they walk through that door, we've got to see them as an orphan. They're an orphan. People are lost. We've dehumanized people so much with the media. We've We've got to see people as orphans. And how does that affect the way you treat the stranger? It's amazing, isn't it? When I see myself as a destitute lost orphan and then I see you the same way, then we're the same. And then I see that person that hasn't met God yet and I say, they need to know about my dad. My dad is so awesome. And guess what? My family, we got issues, but we take care of each other. We do what it says in Galatians. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This verse comes right on the heels of that. Do good to all, especially to those who are of the family of believers. Can you imagine what it's like for people to walk into this place and see like this vibrant sense of community and really actually bearing each other's burdens? Like when I hear you, your car broke down or when I hear you, you can't you know, pay your bills or whatever, I feel the weight of the burden because then I take out the money and I give you some of it. Or if you broke your arm, you're a single, the single mom and, and some, you say, I got to paint this house or whatever, I feel the weight of the paint can in my hands. The burden, there are burdens and the burdens aren't just physical, they're emotional, they're all manner of burdens and you if you take time if we get to know one another and we get past all the 
humdrum, silly stuff about business and, and how's business and how's work and how's, how's your golf game or, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what kind of decorations are you going to do in the house and all that stuff. If we can get past that and get to know what's really going on. There are burdens. Every single one of us in this room carries burdens. And I know for me, sometimes it's so hard to get past my own burdens. How, how in the world am I going to find energy, time or whatever to carry yours? Well, that's what God wants us to do. That's the kind of family he wants us to be. A family that carries each other's burdens. Can you imagine people walking in here and seeing that? You tell me they don't want to be a part of it? That's what people long for. That's what people want. The families that are portrayed on TV, they're funny. I love Everybody Loves Raymond. It's one of my favorite shows. But that's not how it's supposed to be, is it? God wants it to be different. They'll know you're my disciples if you love one another, Jesus said. Sorry, I know I keep saying that in all my messages. I always say that. I just think it's so critical. It's so true. And I want to say one last thing before I close. A couple things. In no way, shape, or form should your involvement or your belonging in a local church ever hinder or hurt your personal family unit. I've seen so many people get addicted to church ministry. I'm one of them. It's cost me. Don't let it. Church is to build your family. And honestly, if you want a healthy church, if you want to be a healthy church, be a healthy family. Dealing with your at-home dysfunction will deal with the at-church dysfunction. That's why one of the qualifications for being an elder or a pastor in the church is... He must manage his own family well. How could he take care of God's church if he can't manage his own family? It's critical that our families are strong, where our relationships are very, very good. Husbands and wives, parents and children, where we're teaching, we're teaching our kids and we're, we're uh, admonishing one another in God's ways. And that happens at family. Then we all come together and guess what? Oh, vibrancy. Vitality. Lots of those kinds of families make up a great local church. In this family, I'm going to say it again, it's open to everyone. Everyone. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what their status is. Doesn't matter if they drive a junker or if they drive the sweetest ride in the world. We are all orphans apart from His mercy and His grace. I got the chance to be, just a short little story here to close. I got the chance to be a brother to one of my friends. This guy's in his mid-40s, and uh, he's single, and he's got this dog named Jack. His name is Jeff. He's got this dog named Jack. Jack's a 14-year-old mountain cur. Cool little dog. He lo- Jeff loves this dog more than his life. And the dog has been with him through everything. So I'm sitting Friday at Panera, and I'm working on my message for you people. And Jeff calls me up and says, Aaron, and I hear him immediately in his voice, something's wrong. Jack's really sick. I'm coming to Columbus. And you meet me at the vet. I, I, just, I just need somebody to be with me. He's, he's getting choked up, and I'm like, 
15 minutes, I'm there. I'll get you a Diet Coke and I'll be there. So I get there and we sit and we go through the whole thing and we're talking and he's talking about Jack and how much he loves him. And, and if, you're, if you're single, your animal has a value to you or, or elderly sometimes, you know, that, that's not the same as like a dad who has kids and stuff. It's just a different, different uh, attachment. He loves this thing. He said, Aaron, through tears, I, I thought that if, if Jack died, I'd be alone. But God, and, and Jeff has wrestled with God so much. And he said, God has shown me through this, so, through his people, through my pastor, through you, through all my other friends. They have rallied to me and they have been there for me in the middle of all this. And I know God is faithful to me. If Jack dies, I'm not alone. The simplest little thing, like just going and being with your friend and saying, hey, if the sermon isn't as good, I guess that was God's way of teaching me how to be part of a family, to be a brother to somebody who needed me. That's the kind of place I want to be a part of. That's the kind of community that I think God wants for us. And I hope hope that we can be that. For his honor, for his glory. It ain't just so we can feel good. It ain't so that we can look and say, oh, look what we've built. It's so that we can allow the spirit of God to flow through us into our community. Better way. What an amazing story. What an amazing work they're doing. Talk about people who view people the same. We appreciate you so much. Your work. Wow. That's that's the kind of church I hope we can be. Let's pray. Just take a minute. Just close your eyes and think, ask the Spirit, ask God to speak to you. What is it, Lord, you want me to hear from this today? What do you want to say to me? Maybe you just need to see yourself as adopted in, totally loved, chosen by a merciful, loving, heavenly Father. Full in, full out, full membership into his family maybe you're proud and you need to see yourself as a destitute orphan who's been rescued maybe you got stuff you got to work on with your family at home maybe you got status issues you're trying to keep up lord in your mercy we lay these things at your feet Would you implant within us your truth, the truth of who we are as your people, as your children, as your dearly loved, your beloved children, brothers and sisters. Help us, God, to live it out honestly, faithfully, patiently. Help us to be the people that you want us to be for the glory of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you use us to be the kind of family that people walk in the door and they just feel welcome. They just feel like, wow, this is where I should be right now. Make us that kind of family. We pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. We're not going to close with a song today. I want to uh, encourage you to remi- and remind you to 
have some barbecues this summer. We can't get connected or we can't, can't get to know each other unless we get together. And so have some food, have some barbecue, and take those chances and share with others. Great to be with you this morning. See you next week. Bless you.